0: Hi, I'm Guy Powell, and welcome to the eighth episode of the Backstory on Marketing. If you haven't already done so, please visit ProRelevant.com and sign up for all of these episodes and podcasts. I am the author of the upcoming book, The Post-COVID Marketing Machine, Prepare Your Team to Win. You can find more information on this at MarketingMachine.ProRelevant.com. Today, we'll be speaking with Tia Cummings, She is the SVP of global brand marketing for Square. She's an Atlanta-based award-winning marketer and has 15 years brand marketing experience across companies such as Johnson & Johnson, Kellogg's, IHG Hotels and Restaurants, and Procter & Gamble. Prior to to her career in brand marketing, she had various experiences in corporate philanthropy, manufacturing operations, and product development. She has a BS in chemical engineering from Hampton University and an MBA MBA from Purdue. In her free time, she enjoys volunteering, traveling, reading, and spending time with family and friends. Tia, welcome.
1: Hi, Guy. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's get started. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your backstory on getting into marketing?
1: Yeah, so I um kind of stumbled my way into marketing, you know, as you just said, my undergraduate degree is in chemical engineering. Uh, and so I had planned ever since I was a little girl and all the way up, to, you know, through college that I was going to be an engineer, a scientist, and you know, stay on the technical side of things. Um, and it was actually via an internship at Procter and Gamble after my junior year of college, where I Discovered what marketing was. I'd never even heard of marketing. So I was an engineering intern working on Pampers Diapers. And, you know, my job was really to sort of optimize diaper fit and working with the marketing team. They're kind of passing along to me consumer insights, which didn't know what that was then, but they're telling me this is what our consumers want in a diaper. And so then I'm in the lab, you know, prototyping and making diapers. And so I was just so fascinated with all my interactions with the marketing team, right, and, and seeing how they were the ones talking to consumers, and they were the ones sort of setting the strategy and driving the business forward. And I'm just sort of this person in a lab. And I said, man, what they're doing sounds really, really interesting. I think I might want to do that, too. So I went back my senior year of college, and it's like, well, I'm about to graduate with this engineering degree, but I think I want to be a marketer. And uh, so that's when I knew I was going to have to go to business school in order to make uh, this shift, right, to from engineering over to marketing. And so that's what I ended up doing. You know, I went to business school at Purdue. I got my MBA, um, did not go to marketing right away, even though I just said that was my whole point of going to business school. I kind of got distracted again. Go, again, that technical pull was strong and I went to um worked for a big conglomerate called United Technologies um, and working at Pratt & Whitney, which makes aircraft engines for commercial airlines and the, the military. And so I started there, was at UTC for three years. And then finally I said, okay, Tia, you said you were gonna go be a marketer, let's go be a marketer. And so it was 2007 when I finally made my way to Johnson & Johnson and started my marketing career as an associate brand manager. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, it's so funny, we have a very similar background, I started off as an electrical engineer, and then I got my MBA, just like <laughs> you did.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I know that,
0: love that. Yeah, exactly. And then I, I worked as a consultant, and then a product manager, and then I went over to, uh, you know, to to marketing, and now I've been in marketing for way too many years, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's funny how we all ended up here. And and I think you're right, though, you know, the, the fun. I think marketing is more fun, although engineering is fun too. I enjoyed that, but marketing, they have more fun. They get to spend a lot of money and do some really cool stuff. So
1: completely agree. agree. It's so much fun. And it's because like you get to do so many different things. That's what I love about marketing. You really are like the hub of a wheel and the spokes are all of the different cross-functional teams you work with. So, you know, you still work with the r d and technical people and you work with finance and you work with operations and supply chain and sales and and that's what makes it so fun right it's it's really hard to get bored in a marketing job
0: yeah absolutely and i i agree with you too is marketing is is really the center that hub of the uh, the whole organization because if you don't have your marketing right you know for price to keep the cost down for getting the message out there for distribution for quality and everything then, you know, everything else kind of falls apart. And it's marketing that has to bring all that together. I, I, I agree with that. That's a great uh, metaphor for that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about your current role at Square. Yeah, so
1: I joined Square uh, coming up on a year now. And uh, it has been a fun ride. So as you mentioned, I'm the, the Senior Vice President of Global Brand Marketing. Uh, so I sit within our central marketing organization reporting to our CMO. And my uh, team is made up of four different teams. So the first is brand insights and strategy. So the team that does all of our market research and really understanding our customers and then flows that into building out our strategy for the brand, our long-term vision. Uh, So that's one team. Uh, Then I have our integrated marketing team which does all of our paid advertising and media campaigns. Um, I've got experiential marketing so all of our trade shows or activations, anything that's like event-based, and then the last team is brand partnerships and sponsorships. So those are the four teams that make up a global brand at Square.
0: Wow, that's a lot. Uh, that's uh, and I, those are uh, you know a lot of fun, and I especially like the experiential. Those are <laughs> there's there's always so much creativity going on.
1: Absolutely. I feel very fortunate to have this job and to have those four teams within my remit. Uh, I do get to have a lot of fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, what was it like now previous to that? You were at Walker and uh, with the Bevel brand. And uh, so tell us what it was like to switch from kind of a, a consumer packaged goods over to fintech.
1: Yeah. So that was a big shift for me and an intentional one. So, you know, I'd spent pretty much my entire career in consumer marketing and primarily consumer packaged goods, right? And no matter where I was, you know, Kellogg's, Walker, J&J, you know, CPG brand marketing, the fundamentals are consistent. Doesn't matter what the product, you know, is or the category you're in. And then I did my stint at IHG hotels and resorts, which was still consumer marketing, but now more service oriented. And I've been talking to one of my mentors because I'll be honest, my goal has always been to become a CMO and that's the the track that I'm on. And one of my mentors who is a CMO had shared with me that she spent many years in CPG like me, but then she did a stint in tech. And she felt that that really helped her get a different set of experiences that set her up and really differentiated her from a lot of other people who were going for CMO roles. And so she told me, she's like, if you ever get the chance to work in tech, I suggest you consider it." And then three months later, Square calls and <laughs> just fortuitous the way that worked. And so I was like, oh, this could be interesting. And I was nervous because I was like, it's really more B2B, which I've not really done except for back in United Technologies many, many years ago. And I was like, how is this gonna work? How do they approach brand? Are they gonna appreciate brand? And you know, are they gonna be more focused on performance marketing and only b2b channel like what do they know about brand and um to my surprise they were really really passionate about no we really want to build a strong brand we want to make square an iconic brand and that's why we are talking to you as a consumer marketer who has a lot of brand experience right so they were intentional in seeking me out and i have been really pleasantly surprised i think obviously the brand is in a younger stage and their brand marketing function is less developed than at all the big CPG companies I've worked at. But the good news is that means I get to come in and build it, right? And sort of help establish this foundation for the future of the Square brand. And so that's really exciting. And so is it B2B? Yes, but it's also more b 2 b to c right? Because we still do a lot of um, leveraging B2C channels because a lot of our, our business owners are almost like consumers. They're small businesses, they're sole proprietors. And so they kind of, you have to reach them almost like a consumer in many ways, you know, and then we've got the, the larger end of our business where we do a lot more B2B. So it's been this really cool mix. Um, and it's really helping me learn a lot, challenge me as a marketer and grow me as a marketer. Uh, so it's, it's been fun.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. The, um uh... Uh, yeah, fintech and, and B2B, and, and you're right, you're kind of in that transition between B2C, uh, B2B, or B2C to the business owner, and then, you know, and then, of course, at the higher end, then you're directly uh, B2B. And and secondly, you know, compared to like a CPG, which is kind of a, an ongoing purchase, these mm-hmm. companies are buying one, and then they're holding on holding to it for a long time. So, it's kind of more of an investment good than anything else.
1: It is. And then the goal is like, once you get them in to, you know, one or maybe two, how do you upsell them to other products in our portfolio to support their business, right? Because we may get them in on one and, you know, maybe it's like, oh, I'm going to try, you know, one of your, one of your registers. I'm going to buy a, a, a an X2. It's like, great. And do you know we have all these other add-ons or additional products that could support maybe back of house for your business or staff management. And so you know, there's, there's definitely opportunities to continue to grow them within the square portfolio of products, but you're right, right? It's a, it's a bigger dis- purchase decision. It's longer than if you're, you know, just selling toothbrushes, which I have in the past.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And plus it's the, uh, the owner's money. It's not like, uh, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, where it's business, where the business is buying this thing and it's somebody that's yeah. just spending to a budget. It's, you know, it's my money, you know, (laughs) am I going to make sure it's the right thing?
1: Exactly.
0: And that makes a big difference, I think, in terms of how, as a marketer and how you have to then build the brand, because I I think, you know, there's always, even on the B2B side, uh, there's always a large emotional component. The drivers of those emotions are different, but there's always a large emotional component in there. And so I'm sure that as your, you know, VP of brand, uh, svp of brand that that makes a big difference for how you communicate to the marketplace
1: a thousand percent and i love that you said that I, I have spent so much time telling people um both internally and externally that even with b2b marketing you're still marketing to people human beings who make emotional decisions right and there's this assumption that because you're marketing to a business oh no everything is rational and scrutinized and everything it's like yeah you want to believe that but guess what these businesses are so managed by people (laughs) right and people they make decisions based off of emotions and i actually stumbled across some research that i um shared in a presentation last week by limicott that proves brand is even more important in b2b purchase decisions than it is in consumer purchase decisions um and that was almost surprising but then if you think about it more it makes sense because like you said, if you're making a decision for your business, like it's personal, like this is, this is my money and it's a large outlay. If if you buy the wrong, you know, detergent brand or, or you even buy the wrong computer, you don't like it as a consumer, return it, get your money back, buy something else. Hey, there's no real big implication there, but for a business and you make the wrong decision for a brand that you purchase, it can have a huge impact. Right. And so it makes sense that brand is important and they really want a brand that they feel understands them and connects with them. And so that emotional piece cannot be ignored.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I used to. uh, Well, when I switched over from uh, uh, consulting, just before I got into marketing, I was product manager for a product. It was a technology product and we competed against IBM. And at the time, you know, you can't lose your job if you buy IBM. And they were uh, twice as expensive and twice as slow. And I still had to fight my way past it. So, you know, it's not just price, it's not just functionality. Um, and what I found too, especially with larger businesses, is that, uh, you know, you have a, one price versus another price. And uh, what the employees do is they use rational arguments to defend why they want to spend more money. And where, and, you know, that the, I mean, the emotional arguments and rational to be able to defend why they're going to buy this brand versus something else.
1: Yes. Right. Because a brand is basically, it's trust, right? That's what people equate brands. And a brand is, is something that I'm familiar with and I know it and I trust it. And so, like your, your example IBM, that's a really great one, right? Even though it was more expensive, this research that I just mentioned from Lippincott showed that price, features, vitamins, nope, brand number one in B2B purchase decisions. Right With consumers, price w- uh, came out as number one, but it, because of that, that t- inherent trust and that comfort, like, hey, this is a known entity versus, hey, this may be a better product. It may be cheaper, but uh, don't know it as well. So don't want to take that risk because it, it is a risk in the business world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's so funny though, but uh, I don't know if I would agree with you totally that price is the only driver in consumer.
1: Oh, no, no, not the only Definitely not the only. I said it's usually one of the bigger ones.
0: Okay. yeah. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Because I used to do some uh, training over in China. And uh, one of the things they would say is there is, oh, price is everything. There's nothing more important than price. And so then I'd hold up my iPhone and I'd say, how many of you have an Apple iPhone? And everybody had an Apple iPhone. And it's the most expensive phone out there. And I said, so how is it that price is, uh, is the deciding factor here when you're all using an iPhone? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, you know, so to your point, there is that mix of uh, price and emotion. Now that what yeah. they did say in, in their own defense, they said, well, you know, I selected the iPhone, but then I shopped all over to get the best price.
1: <laughs> uh, they will, like you said, they will use whatever they can to justify
0: That's right.
1: that brand
0: yeah absolutely that is uh so true so uh yeah and uh you know and i love uh in what i do i love uh, talking to people about brand and what drives the brand and stuff like that but uh let's switch over to one uh, to another topic and that is uh the great resignation how uh has that hit you guys uh, very strongly or or not at all or tell us about that
1: i would say i wouldn't say it's hit us strongly um you know are there people who you've seen leave and hey, I'm gonna go start my own business or something like that, sure, right? COVID just made people reconsider a lot of their priorities. A lot of people left, not even for other jobs, but you know, I wanna focus on my family. I wanna do things that allow me to you know, spend more time there. So I fully understand that. I think why we've been in a pretty good position at Square is we really stand for something and people really believe in our purpose and our mission at the company. People stay a long time. They're really passionate about the work that we do. Um, And so, you know, sure, we've had people leave just like everywhere else, but we've also had a whole lot of people stay because they're like, I believe in what this company is doing. Um, And that's important. And and it feels good to work for a company that has such a strong purpose, you know, of economic empowerment and and really supporting business owners or those who want to become business owners. so that's, that's what I'd say, what we're saying on our end.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I think you're right, though. But you know what's interesting is how important marketing to employees has become to drive growth. So you have the, the great resignation, for example, and and, and, uh, the re- may, and one of the probable reasons why you haven't had a problem with that is because you have such a strong brand. And so you you know just like we were talking on the consumer side, you have to have the brand there. Well, even on the employee side, if you have a strong brand, you're going to be able to retain and also to hire uh, better and 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 keep them retained for longer.
1: Exactly, that's a hundred percent. I would agree with that.
0: Yeah, I was uh, taught, we were talking to a company that's a, a trucking company. And, uh, you know, and and their growth as much as they want to do more marketing and they they've they've built their brand. And so the brand allows them to uh, to grow as fast as they can, but they can't hire truck drivers. And so right now, their best marketing effectiveness for the most effective advertising is to advertise to hiring truck drivers, because if you can't drive the truck, you can't get the revenue.
1: Yeah,
0: they want to hire thousands and thousands of truck drivers. And yet, you know, they they, they have to market to be able to do that and it's it's really fascinating to see how important marketing is and building the brand on the employee side as it is on the as it is on the consumer side
1: it really is employer branding is a thing you know because if you can't bring in the right people what you can't run your business and you can't make money yeah. so if you don't, if you're not strong on that end you've got a, a really big problem yeah and so companies that realize that, are are the ones who are going to to make those smart decisions.
0: Well, absolutely, and they're going to grow faster and um, and then be able to uh, meet their, you know, meet the the uh, the objectives of the shareholders and everything because that, uh, you know, if you can't hire or if you get a lot of turnover, I mean, turnover is so painful. You lose one person and it just slows you down and it it makes your life as the manager, you know, uh, of the teams. You know, you've got to end up, you know jumping in or whatever it is and and slowing down and then you don't make your bonus. It's really, really tough.
1: Absolutely. People are the heart of every business (laughs) and, and companies who, you know, remember that to your point, are the ones who are going to be more successful. So what are you doing to hire great talent, retain that talent, develop that talent, right? Keep them motivated and engaged.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, and that kind of brings up the topic of uh, DEI. And uh, you know diversity, equity, inclusion, and um, and uh, how do you think uh, companies are doing with that? And how do you see that as a as a component of that of the brand?
1: Um, I obviously think it's very important. I think some companies do it very well. I think the majority do not. Uh, I think there's a lot of companies who, you know, proclaim to to play well in that space, but it's it's mostly it's posturing. Right, it's not sincere, and if you peel back the layers, you would see that. Um, but the the companies who really are investing in this space, um, and I would argue uh, that uh, Square and really Block, my parent company as a whole, does really well in this space, are the ones that are winning. It's so important that you that your talent base reflects the broad, diverse customer base that you're serving. It just makes sense. And if you do not realize that by now, I don't know what to tell you because there's been Far too much research done to validate that companies that are more diverse and that put a focus on DE&I are more um, successful, they're more profitable, they bring more revenue, like all of the positive things. And so that's been studied ad nauseum. So there's nothing I can say to convince people that they don't already believe it. Um, but it, it, it's so important. And you know you see people talking about it more and more, definitely over the last two years, I would say, You've seen it's like all of a sudden this wake up like, oh, we need to focus more, which is great. But I I would just like to see more people do it sincerely. Because when you if you were to look back at 2020, and a lot of companies made a lot of commitments and promises in the de space, but if you were to go back and do an audit, and and there's some um, places who, who have, Hue is a nonprofit uh, that I'm part of, and they did a study trying to audit all of these companies who said that they were going to do something, how many actually followed through? The majority of them didn't. Right. And so D&I is effective if you are sincere, if you are committed to actually doing the work and investing in it um, and not just kind of using it um, for posturing.
0: Well, you know, one thing that's uh, at least for public companies, too, is uh, the SEC is is uh, uh, I don't know if it's if it's mandating it yet or whether it's suggesting it, but they're suggesting to put uh, you know their their cli- what they're doing for climate control and uh, sustainable uh, business, yeah. and I, you know it would be interesting to see if they start to do the same thing for uh, DEI on their financial statements, so that it can, you know, I, I you know so that it can just be you know further uh, inculcated into these uh, into the into the companies.
1: You know what I, I always say: if you're not measuring it, then you're not serious about it, right? Because things that get measured are the ones that get acted upon. Right. So as a leader within a company, if you're measured on something, then you best believe you're going to work on it. But if you're not, there's really nothing to hold you accountable. So I love that idea. I think a lot of companies who you see are really invested in the space are ones that are actually measuring it and are you know, very transparent. They're reporting on what they're doing and what they're seeing and what their numbers are. And that's good. We need more of that.
0: Yeah. And you're so right. Of course, I'm the measurement guy. So I'm the one that's supposed to have said that first. <laughs> But, but yeah, absolutely, if you don't measure it, it doesn't get done. And uh, so often, uh, you know, that companies don't do it. And I will admit a lot of companies also measure the wrong things too. Yes. uh, you know, we've been, we, we just did a project where, and I won't go into details, but nevertheless, we just did a project where the company was absolutely measuring the wrong thing and cost them, you know, tens of millions of dollars. It's a, it's huge when you get the measurement wrong. And in this case, now your brand because DEI is part of your your employee brand when you get that wrong it'll cost you you know not only in the short term but also in the long term
1: absolutely could not agree more
0: yeah yeah so uh uh let's talk about uh, some of the challenges that you've otherwise had uh in marketing either at uh you know here at at square or if you want to not <laughs> I know you haven't had any challenges at square so if you want to go back
1: <laughs> you yeah, know talk about about
0: some of the challenges you had
1: everything's great at square what challenges no such thing no i mean the biggest challenge that i've had as a marketer over the last couple of years is covid because it's just kind of disrupted how everything works you know as a marketer you think of marketing as always oh, a machine we know the process we know how consumers think how they behave how they act and all of that got blown up with covid right so everything has changed into how consumers are acting even at square how our customers and businesses have been impacted significantly right? When they had to close down and how did they pivot? And and so that's obviously the biggest challenge, I think, on every marketer's mind for the past two years is it was one, figuring out how to navigate throughout COVID and continue to grow your brand and continue to have consumers and customers interested in a brand, but they had a whole lot of other big things to worry about. And now that we're sort of hopefully moving on the other side of it, this new normal, okay, and what does that look like, right? It's, it's not going back to the way it was so you can't just automatically default to the way you did marketing in 2019 because people have fundamentally changed and so it's understanding those behavioral shifts and attitudinal shifts and what does that mean for me and my brand and and what do i need to do to you know learn those those changes and shifts and, and optimize my marketing approach so that's the biggest challenge you know in my in my last role which i started right before COVID, i built out a whole marketing plan it's that walker company In uh call it November, December. I was like, here's what we're gonna do in 2020. And it was a brand that had lower awareness. I was like, we're going on the road, we're gonna do experiential activations, we're gonna be everywhere in 2020. Yes, you're laughing. And and you know why, right? Because like this was the plan. We did one event in February. We went to um NBA All-Star Weekend and it was great. We're like, see, this is success. We're gonna keep doing this. And then two weeks later, the world shut down. (laughs) And we were we had to pivot. We're like, well, what are we gonna do? How long is this going to, you know, last? Guess we need to cancel all of these experiential activation plans that we had. And how do we now engage, you know, with consumers? And how do we build awareness when we can't go talk to people? We can't let them touch and feel and see these these products that they're not familiar with. You had to get creative, right? And and really scrappy. And so in that case, we really leaned heavily into brand purpose. Okay. Consumers, they're having a really tough time right now with mental health. COVID is closing people's businesses and it's hurting their, you know, economic uh, livelihoods. What can we do to help? And so we shifted our whole marketing approach to be about purpose. How do we help? How do we help people? It was really successful for us. You know, we got tons of media coverage. The business grew um, because everyone appreciated that, hey, they're not just talking about themselves. They're trying to help and so that was really successful throughout you know 2020 and now in my new role right with we're working on on small businesses who are still feeling the effects of covid right especially globally right because it's a global brand and some markets are still being hit hard with Mm -hmm. covid and some places are still being um shut down and even if they're not shut down a lot of people can't get staff hiring you know for a lot of small businesses we just talked about the great resignation so then there's sometimes they're having to close because they don't have enough workers. And so what can we as a company do to support these businesses and help them in this, you know, this crazy world that we're in right now? And so that's the challenge. I think we are in a very interesting time. I look forward to reading about it in the history books one day, but like really being able to pivot and shift because the world is changing really fast and has been ever since 2020. And so we've just got to stay on top of it and keep Trying to figure out what we can do to help, what we can do to understand where people's heads are at, where their mindsets are at, and how we as a brand can support them.
0: Well, and you were uh, at Square anyway, and uh, and I guess also at Bevel. You know, you're hit in both in both ways. On the one hand, you're hit because you, all of a sudden your marketing, your experiential marketing, you can't you know nobody wants to experience it or they're not allowed to experience it anymore. Yes. But then, as with Square being in retail and restaurants um man oh man just a double whammy there and yeah. um, and now even uh yesterday i was uh having lunch with a friend of mine and we went to a ruby tuesday and they uh and we, we were talking to the waitress she said we cannot hire enough people half half of the restaurant was empty and uh yeah. because they just didn't have enough people to be able to man the tables it was incredible yep.
1: that is a broad challenge that we are hearing right? From business owners of restaurants and retail apps. And so that makes us think as a company, well, what can we do to support? How do our tools enable you to still be able to run your restaurant, even with, you know, fewer people working, right? Mm -hmm. What can we, what we can do to help you there? So that's what I mean, like constantly thinking innovation from, you know, product standpoint, but also messaging standpoint and, and those types of things to make sure that we're able to help them through these challenges.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh all right, so tell us a little bit about some successes that you've had then uh, uh what was your biggest success that you're most proud of in your career?
1: Oh my gosh. In my career, that is uh that's such a tough one. There's a lot of things that I'm really really proud of. Um a lot of things, I'm fortunate. I think though one of the biggest ones would probably have to be um at Walker you know at the start of the pandemic and no one knew what was going on and really having to pivot was really scary right throwing out the whole marketing plan that i had built and trying to come up with a new one in the year was was scary but the decision to really pivot and focus on purpose driven marketing and focus on supporting our consumers we did a lot of things that i've never done elsewhere Right? And, and you just wouldn't even think about So I'll give examples, um, you know, right at the beginning of the epidemic, barbershops, salons, all had to close, right? Every, all these businesses were were closing down. And because we were a grooming brand and we worked with a lot of professionals, so barbers and beauticians, and we decided to contribute to, at the time Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms had established this fund for all of these uh, you know, people, barbers and beauticians, who had to close their, their, their stores, but needed money to keep living. Mm. And so we were the first company to say, we're gonna donate, we're gonna make a, you know, uh, a significant donation to help contribute towards this. We did a partnership with an all boys school in Chicago, primarily African-American because this, my brand devil was targeting African-American men. And when they had to close their doors, it was a low income area. They didn't have access to computers at home to continue learning. And there was a concern that they were gonna fall behind. We're gonna donate computers, laptops for every single student so they can continue learning from home and not fall behind in their studies, right? These are types of things we did. We did a partnership with Headspace because there was tons of articles at the time. And I remember reading one, I can't remember, I think it was the New York Times. Um, that was saying how the mental health of Black Americans was at an all-time, you know, lows, the worst that it had been because of COVID, because of the fight for racial justice, you know, this is right after George Floyd, and so, like, no one's talking about mental health, and I said, we're going to talk about mental health, we're going to be, you know, the first company to stand up and do something, and so we gave out free subscriptions to Headspace, to anyone, and we didn't use it as a marketing tool. There was no, give us your name and your email address, sign up for our newsletter, and then you could, no, no, no. Anyone who wants this can get it. And it was, that's what I said, it was all about helping people. And I remember we would get all this press coverage, and I would be doing these interviews as a spokesperson for the company. And I'm like, you're doing all these things. You're, you're giving things away. You're really helping people. It's like, because this is what they need right now. You know, and and we say that we are a brand that supports black men look and feel their best because those are the products we sell, but helping them look and feel their best can go beyond the products and really helping them as individuals. And so, like I said, we got so much press coverage, billions of impressions that this small little brand had never seen and our business just, you know, we benefit by helping people. And so that's what I'm really proud of in my career that I was able to use my position leading marketing at this company. To have a meaningful impact on people's lives and simultaneously have a business impact.
0: Yeah, that is a that is a really good story, and it really gets to uh, you know certainly the pivot of the uh, of the company, but also the the emphasis all of a sudden on you know what is our mission and how can we then uh, deliver on our mission. And uh, and I like your point as well, is it you know the, even though you did get press coverage. But, you know, you didn't actually, you know, go out and just actively advertise it. It was kind of like below the radar, but it obviously, you know, bubbled up to be something of of real value. Exactly. And I think uh, there's a handful of uh, brands, not all brands are very good at it, but there's a handful of brands that are really excellent. And, and I don't, you know, I don't mean that in a, in kind of a, you know, taking advantage, but they just do the, the mission and they really help out, you know, whatever their mission is, and they and 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 they're not, you know, driving the brand and and really advertising that, but nevertheless, they do get the kudos for it, and yes. and I think it makes a difference overall, and it certainly makes a difference. You know, we were talking about uh, the square and employees; it certainly makes a difference for uh, uh, on the employee side as well as on the sales side.
1: Exactly right, and and it's what it goes back to this whole idea of authenticity, right? Do I feel like you're doing this? Like you're trying to get attention and you're doing it, you know, under false pretenses. Or no, I get the feeling that you genuinely care. And the companies that show that they are doing this because they genuinely care benefit. Yes, you are, it's always where you want there to be some business impact on the other side of it. But you know, are you coming across as genuine in your efforts? Right. When we gave away, because other people could have done a partnership with Headspace and say, hey, we're gonna give you a free subscription, but buy two bottles of our product first or give us your name and email address so we can mark it to you later, you know, and then you can, uh, can get access to this. But by re- removing the gates and keeping it open, it's like, no, no, no. We really just want to help. And that yeah. I think makes all the difference.
0: Well, and, and to your point, the same thing on the mission mindedness, uh, the same thing that you said about DEI in terms of some people are kind of like, you know, they're, they're really doing it and, and succeeding at it and doing it well, as opposed to other ones that are really just, kind of doing it for for the messaging or something else and not really, they don't really have their heart into it, so to speak.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah,
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, well, I've got a ton more questions, but I'm going to have to close it out. I know you have to get back to getting some real work done, so to speak. But (laughs) Is there anything uh, otherwise that you'd like to uh, say in closing or any comments?
1: No, I really enjoyed chatting with you guys. I, I get excited talking about marketing, and especially as the marketing landscape is continually evolving. It's so, so interesting. So just thanks for having me on today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And really appreciate uh, you coming on. And uh, so thank you so much. And uh, really, uh, again, appreciate you participating and, um, and also, by the way, helping on uh, on on my book, uh, uh, my upcoming book coming out. So, uh, oh,
1: Thank yeah. you
0: for including me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're I'm really really close. You know, it's the but it's like it takes um, you know the ninety nine point nine percent is goes just as fast as that zero point one percent, and I'm in the zero point one percent, and I just ah, uh, it's so close. But anyway, uh, it's coming. It's within we're within about two weeks. And uh, so, uh, but with that, uh, you know, anyway, to everybody out there, please uh, stay tuned for many of the other videos in this series of the backstory on marketing, please visit marketingmachine.prorelevant.com and download the first chapter of my book and other valuable excerpts. And otherwise, if you really like this podcast, please rate it with five stars. Uh, Tia, thank you so much. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Guy.
0: Thank you.